The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. He's good to me. You know, a confession that I've said for several years is the Lord is so good to me. And you know, the more you say it, the more he does. Amen. And he does many good things for you. And you just say, oh, Lord, you are so good to me. And then he shows you that he's better than you thought he was. And then you go, oh, you're, you're so good. And he says, I'm better than that. And he does. Amen. Hallelujah. Said out loud, the Lord is so good to me. Praise you, Lord. Turn with me to two scriptures this morning. Let's just get right to it. Uh, I want you to go to 1 Timothy 6 and James 4. And we'll pray. 1 Timothy 6, James 4. I'm on a mission. Are you with me? How many understand that we are about kingdom business in these things? And this affects, what's happening here affects a lot more than just what's here. These tapes go everywhere. And these messages will go everywhere. And the spirit of what God does in our hearts here, we will affect a lot of people ourselves. Amen? Just by your life and your example. So uh, tremendous things are happening. We're privileged to be in the middle of it. 1 Timothy 6, James 4, we'll pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you have done and are doing And thank you for all that you have planned to do and have already set in motion. Lord, we count it a privilege to be here. And uh, thank you for your spirit, whom is our teacher and our guide and our helper. And we ask and thank you for the message for this day and for the ministry, for the anointing. Grant everyone ears that hear, hearts that receive. And thank you, Lord, that as we behold you, your word, your glory, that we are changed into what we see. We're changed into your likeness from glory to glory by the Spirit, by the power of the Lord. Get glory to yourself in our lives. Help us to see ourselves through your eyes and all that's not pleasing to you. Grant us grace to change it that we may rise up in greater Christ-likeness than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord. For the past several days, I've had this scripture in 1 Timothy 6 going over in my heart and mind. And uh, he deals from about verse uh, 5 of chapter 6. Down through the rest of the chapter, a lot of it has to do with money and things and wealth. And there are some warnings in here about mishandling of wealth and which some people that don't believe in prosperity use and wrestle, like the scripture says, to their own destruction. It costs them because they don't understand it. 
But all the scriptures have to agree. Can you say amen? amen? One doesn't take away from the other. One enhances, explains, shows other light. But in verse 17, without taking the time to read all of it, in verse 17 he just says this, Charge them that are rich in this world. So he adds that phrase so that you cannot confuse what he's talking about. Rich with things in this world. Anybody know what that means? Money in this world. Stuff in this world. Rich. Yeah, we're rich in God. We're rich in the grace. We're rich in the spirit. We're rich with revelation. But we also can be rich with stuff. Right? And here he said, charge them. This word could also be translated command. Charge or command them that are rich in this world to get rid of that stuff. Because you can't really serve God with all that money. Hmm? No, no. Charge them what? That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Charge them that they be not high-minded. Now, you'll find that this word uh, compares with other words that are translated pride and high looks and haughtiness and things of this nature. So it is a charge against pride, high-mindedness. It's not the only one. In Romans 12, now I'm going to give you a number of scriptures this morning. Don't necessarily try to turn to all of them. In fact, don't try to turn to them unless I say, let's go to such and such scripture. If you want to jot the references down, fine. But listen, just listen. In Romans 12, 16, he says, be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Now the translation says, don't be high minded, but uh, associate with the lowly. Be willing to associate with people in low position. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. The NIV brings out. Don't be high-minded. Now, the, the very word for pride means just that, high. And it has to do with a high and a lofty estimation of oneself. The very definition of humility is low or lowly. Remember what Jesus said? Matthew, come learn of me, for I am meek and what? Lowly in heart. Now that's another way of saying humble. To be humble or to humble oneself means to go low, bow low. Make yourself low. It's not, it's not what somebody else is doing to you. It's what you're doing with yourself. To be proud means to be high. Not in a good sense. High-minded. An overweening overestimate of yourself and your abilities. 
And it's interesting that some other words, you know, original scriptures, definition of pride, one of them means braggadocio, which has to do with being a braggart. Haughty, arrogance, and here's one of the words mean this, it means to envelop in smoke and to inflate. Are you getting the picture? High, puffed up, and blowing smoke. (laughs) And not good. But on the other hand, humility is low, lowly. And meek has the idea and the connotation of mildness and gentleness. Do you understand that you can be strong and bold and meek at the same time? And in God, that's the way it is. How many understand Jesus was bold? Very bold. He was strong as he walked the earth. Very strong. Was he he haughty? Was he arrogant? Was he proud? Far from it. He said, learn of me. Everybody say, I want to learn of him. What did he say about learning of him? I am meek and I am lowly in heart. Hallelujah. Go with me to James, if you would, the fourth chapter. Now, in this scripture we just read in in 1 Timothy 6, the Lord ministered to me just recently. He said, my people are not taking me seriously on that. They either feel like it doesn't apply to them or that they've already got it under control. Charge them that are rich. Now, with a whole lot of Christians, that doesn't even register on them. They think that's talking to somebody else. Hmm? Well, do you, when you read that, do you immediately think me? You should. Huh? Charge them that are rich. You should go, "Uh uh-oh, he's talking to me. Do you see what I'm talking about? A whole lot of Christians, they read that and they think, well, no need for me to pay too much attention to that because that's, he's talking to somebody else. Even if they don't say it, that's how they feel and that's how they read it. But then the few that would actually read it and go, well, that's me. They'd read the rest of it, be not high-minded, and they just passed off and go, well, I ain't. Everybody, but everybody has to deal with pride. Everybody. It is a big part of the nature of your flesh. And every morning when you wake up, There's your flesh, and there it is. Everybody, young and old, wealthy and not so wealthy, educated, uneducated, makes no difference. Man, woman, child, it makes no difference. Everybody has to deal with it. It's part of the nature of your flesh. Selfishness and pride. It's the nature of the devil. Did you hear me? It is his nature. 
And he breathed this ugly stuff into our parents in the garden. He is haughty. The devil is haughtiness personified. He is, you'll never meet a more arrogant individual than the devil. And so people who are arrogant are acting like him to some degree. And when you see this and you see, see its, its origin and what it is, you will despise it. You will detest it. And when you see any of it in your flesh, I'm telling you, you, you'll want to jump on it with both feet. And get it out. The, the enemy, who was not created an enemy, created the anointed cherub that covers. A beautiful, glorious, amazing being. And yet... Iniquity was found in him. God didn't create him that way, but he used his resources to become like he is now. And he decided, I will exalt my throne. I will be like the Most High. I. And he raised up his head and his face against his Creator. And he understood how God operates through his believing and through his words. And he, he, he operated like that. Through his believing and through his words. And he decides he's big enough, he's going to use it against the creator. So he conceives something in himself, he believes it, and he speaks his words against the creator. I want you to know, friend, you can believe and you can speak. But if you ever try using it against the Creator, you're going to find out whose words are going to stand when the smoke clears. Because when he got through speaking, he told him, you'll be brought down to the sides of hell. And God spoke his words, and it stripped him to nothing. And he's cast down, and his days are numbered. But he breathed. His nature into our parents, they listened and they yielded and it got in them. And it it is also the reason why we have all the teachings on evolution. Are you with me? Because the enemy came. And dealing with the, the big three... The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He worked on the woman, and he worked on the man. And they're out there standing, looking at the tree. And he said, you know, boy, that looks good, don't it? Eve thought, sure does. How can anything look so good be bad? And if it looks and tastes and feels this good, who wants to be right? Hmm? And not only that, but you won't die when you eat this. God knows that in the day you do, you'll be like God yourself. What is he breathing into them? This independence 
this thought, this suggestion that you won't need him anymore. You'll understand what he understands. This independence from God, which is his nature. See, he tried to break away. He wanted to exalt himself. That's why men want to believe in evolution. They want to believe that I struggled and struggled and climbed out of the goo onto the mud. And, and, and I, I grew a tail. And I climbed a tree. And I lost my tail and I jumped down and said, I'm a man. Here I am. And by my wit and by my skill, I have outlived the dinosaur and I've outlived this. And I scurried and, I'm, and I was a hunter and I was a gatherer. And buddy, I stand here as a testament to myself. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. God created us. Amen. He made us. And that's not the end. He sustains us every moment of our life. We are totally dependent upon Him. This is reality. And this is humility. The other is a lie, and the other is pride. Are you with me so far this morning? Now, those two things that I've just said to you have helped me tremendously in identifying these and growing in my own life. And that's just simply this, that pride involves lies. In fact, Obadiah 3... Just one chapter in Obadiah. You don't have to turn there. But Obadiah 3 says, The pride of thine heart has deceived thee. The pride of thine heart has deceived thee. When you are in pride, you are in deception. Pride believes lies. Pride tells lies. Humility, on the other hand, lives in reality. Now, there is a lot of false humility. What people call humility, but it's not. In fact, there are people that are proud of how humble they are. And very confused. Really? Really? Humility, true humility, is not self-degradation. It is not running yourself down. Belittling yourself and be, you know, well, I'm just an old worm. I, you know, I can't do anything. There's nothing to me. Uh, nor is humility... Denying the praise you feel you really deserve. Or the acknowledgement you feel you really deserve. Now watch me carefully on this. Many think that 
if I'm humble, then if something comes up and people go, oh, man, boy, you did good on that, you know, uh, whew, that was great. Glory to God. And they think, well, if I'm going to be humble, I'm going to say, oh, <laughs> it's, it wasn't me. It's, it's, it's not me. When really they think it is. They think, well, you know, yeah, boy, I did it. I did a good job. But I'm, I'm going to not accept the praise and acknowledgement that I deserve. And I'm going to be humble. That is still pride. Because you are, you think you deserve it. But you're going to be humble and not accept it. Oh, it, oh, it wasn't me. You can, you can see it in people's eyes. You can see it in their countenance. You can hear it in the tone of their voice. Oh, no. It's, it's not us. It's the Lord. <laughs> but in their mind, they're thinking, I did do a good job. <laughs> the reality is you do not deserve the credit. That's the reality. You do not deserve the praise. The Lord said, my glory, I'll not share. Hmm? Not in that sense. He deserves the credit. Amen? He deserves the glory. And not you. You'll be commended for serving Him. You'll be commended and rewarded for obeying Him. And there is a sense in which you will share in the glory of God, but not in taking credit for what He has done. You know, you have to watch it. You know, I don't care who you are. You can get to thinking that something is you and it's the grace of God. There was a big thing several years ago about folk, to, you know, getting lifted up in pride about their praying. Somebody would come to a church and give their heart to the Lord, and somebody would take credit for it and say, well, I interceded for them. I prayed them through. Well, now, wait up. Wait. Yeah. What about God who was dealing with them? What about the person that invited them to church? What about the people in the parking lot that made them feel comfortable and kept them from turning around and going back home? What about the minister that prepared and did a good job ministering? What about the Holy Ghost that convicted them and drew them? What about Jesus who died for them and paid the price? Are you with me? So how is it that folk just go, well, we prayed them through. We got them in. We birthed them in. If you had a part in it, praise God. You'll be rewarded, but don't take credit for anybody's salvation. Amen. Don't take credit for anybody's healing. Turn with me, if you would, to John, the seventh chapter. Jesus is our ultimate example. Is that right? We are to be just like him. John 7 is where I'm going. I said to you that pride involves deception. 
Deception is believing a lie. It is not pride to believe good things about yourself. It is not pride to say good things about yourself as long as they are true. You get into pride when you go beyond the truth and you're saying things that are not true about yourself. For instance, Romans 12, 3, don't turn there, but you know it, a lot of you. He talks about that we are not to think of ourselves, what? More highly, interesting words, more highly than uh, we ought to think, but to think soberly. Another translation says, we're not to estimate yourself above your real value, but make a sober rating of yourself in accordance with the degree of faith which God has apportioned him. That's Williams. He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. What did he say? Don't think more highly. We could say then what is true? Think soberly. Think realistically. Truthfully. Philemon, just one chapter there, sixth verse says that the communication of your faith may be, become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Are you to acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus? Yes, you are. Is that pride? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm strong in the Lord. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said, I magnify mine office. Is that pride? No, you didn't call yourself to your office. Glorying in the grace and the ability that God's put in you is not pride. You didn't grace yourself. You didn't gift yourself. You're still talking about something he's done. And you're magnifying him in it. So acknowledging good things about yourself is not pride. It's when you say something that's beyond the truth. And you get into deception. And one way that it, people do it all the time is by taking credit uh, you know, to themselves for what was the grace of God. It's easy to do. In John, the seventh chapter, are you there? Verse 14. It says, about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knows this man letters, having never learned? They were amazed at his teaching. And they said, he did not go to the seminaries. He didn't go to the Bible school, the ministry training schools. That we went to, that our people go to. He hasn't had all this education and teaching. Where did he get this? How does he speak like this? And Jesus said, verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, You got to pay the price. I burned the midnight oil. While others were playing, I was praying. 
Let me take my time on this. Are y'all with me? Would you, would you get that revelation? Bless God, I fasted. Other folk watching TV, I was studying. Got to pay the price. Man, I studied till sometimes I fell out my chair. And I'd get up and go again. And I pressed. And I pushed. And I prayed. And I broke through. Why would you talk like that? Why? Because you want the glory for the revelation. Did you hear me? Do you understand that you can study until your mind feels mushy and get no revelation? (laughs) You can read until your eyeballs feel fried and get no life-changing truth revealed to you unless the Holy Ghost reaches inside you and turns on the light you do not see. Well, then if it is he who revealed it to you, then why would you, you know, accredit your efforts to producing the fruit? And yet people do it all the time. Well, buddy, they paid the price, I tell you. Man, they fasted and prayed and put their flesh under it and studied. What a man of God. What a woman of God. Well, the... There is no greater man of God than the man Christ Jesus. Never was any greater teaching or preaching or or doctrine flow from the lips of any teacher than the master. What was his answer? When they approached him, they said, how did you, where'd you get this? How'd you get this revelation? How'd you get this truth? What did he say? Verse 16. My doctrine is not mine But he is that sent me. Is Jesus, quote, trying to be humble? Or is he walking in true humility? Walking in the truth and reality? Hmm? Or is he going, yeah, you know, I deserve some accolades here, but I'm going to be humble and not receive them. No, the truth is, you don't deserve the credit. To take it would be a lie. Would be a deception. Jesus never took credit for one message he preached. Jesus never took credit for one healing or one deliverance or one miracle that happened in his ministry. Not once. Not one time. But repeatedly. Read the book of John sometimes and underline how many times you see it. Repeatedly he said, the Father, the Father. The Father. Where'd you get this doctrine? The Father gave it to me. He revealed it to me. The Father. How do you do these works? The Father in me. He does the works. I can do nothing of myself. But what I see Him do, that's what I do. What I hear Him say, that's what... I mean constantly giving the Father the credit. Why? Is He trying to be humble? No. He's walking in true humility, which is reality. Right? If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's you. 
This is reality. Amen. Hallelujah. As a lay person, as a minister, it makes no difference if somebody wants to brag on you about something. Oh, man, glory to God. What a message. Whoo, what an anointing to heal the sick tonight. Glory. You say, yeah, the Lord was good. He's there. He gave us a strong anointing. Amen. Yeah, he gave me that. He helped me to see that. Realizing that you could never in a thousand years with all of your great mental, all of our great mental power combined in this room, could we get the life changing truths that God has just given us. Amen. And a lot of times he'll do things in such a way that it is painfully obvious that it wasn't by your efforts. I mean, you're sitting in a car looking outside, reading a billboard about a hot dog and get revelation. You say, whoa, glory. (laughs) That ought to humble you. You ought to go, hey, wasn't me. And that's one reason why God has called uh, what the world considers weak, foolish things. Amen. Things that are not. Why? Because he shows up really good in these type of vessels And people that see them are not as apt and quick to attribute the success to their abilities. And that will not bother you. What kind of things has God chosen? He chose you. (laughs) Weak things. (laughs) Foolish. Huh? Things that are not. (laughs) Why? Why? Because the more the glory of God and the ability of God flows through you, people look at you and go, that's got to be God. (laughs) That can't be them. I know them. (laughs) And you go, that's right. It's God. And he gets the glory. It is due him. He ought to have it. Amen. Who gets the glory for our prosperity? Man, I watch the market and I, you know, and I know when to buy and I know when to sell. And I had these ideas and I implemented them in my business. And, you know, I really paid the price in the early days. I mean, I worked 15, 16 hour days and da 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 da. Yeah, and shut up. <laughs> You're trying to take the credit. And I'm telling people will get mad. They will get indignant with you. I worked hard for what I've got. I earned everything I got. You're deceived. You're not giving credit. It's just like the, the person, the advocate of evolution will not admit that God created me. Why? Because they don't want to admit that I'm dependent on him. But the wise man The wise woman will freely acknowledge the truth. My next heartbeat depends on him. My next breath depends on him. The successful outcome of every one of my endeavors depends on his grace and his help and his ability. Without him, do you understand you can't do anything the way it ought to be done without his help? Now, with that in mind, 
I want to give you this morning, and you'll remember these, four in you truths. You said, don't you mean in Christ? No. In you. Four in you realities. And we're going to turn to the scriptures on these. Now, do you know what I mean by in you realities? Things that are true in you. As opposed to things that are true in Him. In Christ. Never forget those two all significant words. In Him. That's different from in you. Right? In Him. Don't, don't, don't leave them off. Well, I can do all things. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, you can't. Don't leave off the rest of it. Right? I'm the righteousness of God. Don't stop there. Hmm? What's the rest of it? In Christ. What about in you? In you, you ain't. (laughs) Are you ready? Number one, in you truth. In yourself, you are nothing. Now, I'm going to give you New Testament scripture for every one of these. Galatians 6. Turn there, look at it. I want you to turn quickly to these, please. Galatians 6. Number one in your truth, in yourself, you are what? Nothing. And I'm quoting scripture here now. I'm I'm, I'm pulling this right out of the New Testament text. And the the Greek word for nothing here means no, not one thing. (laughs) No, not one. Galatians 6.3. Are you there? For if a man think himself to be something, when he is... Nothing. He deceives himself. And again, what is pride? Has to do with deception. Believing lies about oneself. I know some years ago I, I read this and a lady from the back of the class said, I am too. I'm the righteousness of God. I said, in who? In who? Yeah, but I'm the righteousness of God. Not in you, you're not. It's in Him. Amen. It's in Him. What about in you? In yourself, you are nothing. Now, I didn't say you had to go around confessing these all the time. I just want you to know them. I want you to know them. I don't want you to forget them. Because what is humi- Humility. Humility, among other things, is walking in the truth, walking in reality. Number two, in you truth. Number two. In yourself, you know nothing. 1 Corinthians 8, turn there real quick. 
So you don't think, so, think I'm making this up as I go along. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament, right? In yourself, you know how much? Well, I don't know, Brother Keith. I've done a lot of study, and I've gone to school, and I've done this. Is the Scripture true or not? 1 Corinthians 8, are you there? 1 Corinthians 8. 2. 8, 2. 1 Corinthians. And if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet... As he ought to know. Hmm? Let me say, well, I've got the mind of Christ in him. But in you, not so. So who gets the credit? Y'all enjoying this this morning or not? I, I don't know. I'm wondering about you a little bit. Number three in you truth. Number three. In yourself, you have, guess what? Nothing. In yourself, you have nothing. Right there in 1 Corinthians, just turn back a page or two to the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says... For who makes you to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now what's the answer to that? What do you have that you didn't receive? Or in other words, that wasn't given to you? Answer the question for me now. Now if you did receive it, if it was given to you, why do you glory or boast as if you hadn't received it? As if, you had, as if it hadn't been given to you. As if you had created it. As if you had produced it on your own. Right? Everything you have was given to you. And now people want to jump on that and say, well, hey, I worked hard for what I've got. No, everything you have was given to you. Given to you. That's why you see this running thing all through the epistles that keeps coming up, keeps coming up about works versus grace and faith. Works versus grace. Why? Because the pride of man wants it to be by works. Why? So I can take credit for it. Pride of man wants to take credit for it. But the reality is it cannot be by works. We cannot accomplish it through our own efforts. It has to be by His grace and through our faith, which means He gets the glory. He gets the credit. That's why people have got in the flesh about prayer. And they've got in the flesh about deliverance. That's why sometimes people have gotten into the deal where they, 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 they like the concept of me shaking somebody for two hours and screaming at the devil and them getting free. It makes me feel like I did it. Hmm? 
Or if I, you know, if I sweat and scream at the devil for protracted periods of time and I see something, then I can feel like that I affected it, that I did it. But if I just stand back from somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, be free, and it happens, it's obvious I didn't do it. Hmm? He gets the glory. He gets, and you have to watch because the nature of your flesh is works. It's so easy to slip into that. And constantly you have to keep on, you know, reminding yourself it's by grace through faith. Not, not my works. Everything I've got, everything that's happened that's been good, it was by the grace of God. In yourself you are. In yourself you know. In yourself you have. And number four. In yourself, you can do, guess how much? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus said, John 15, 5, you don't necessarily have to turn there, a lot of you know it, John 15, 5, he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me... You can do nothing. How much can you do? Well, you can do some stuff. But the really heavy stuff, you've got to have his help. No. How much can you do? No, not one thing. No, not anything. Now, now you can do some stuff. But it's not going to be worth talking about. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That they got something built. But it was a waste of time, it was a waste of money, it was a waste of effort. It was vain. And there's a lot of things that, that are done, but the flesh profits nothing, Jesus said. It's the spirit that quickens. And in that day when works are judged, there's going to be a lot of stuff that was wood, hay, and stubble. It may be a big pile and fluff of stuff, but when the fire hits it, there's not going to be much left. Oh, but there are those solid things that are done by the direction of the Holy Ghost, done by the grace of God, done in faith, and it was the work of God, and it is gold, and it is precious. And it will abide and it will remain. Can you say amen? amen? In you truths. In you realities. Let me share an experience that I had some years ago. And I don't often share things like this, but I think it's relevant. Back in the uh, mid-80s, I guess. The Lord was really dealing with me about some of these things. I was really beginning to see some of the things I'm sharing with you right now. And I was having some really good times of fellowship with the Lord. I mean, there were, I was having some really good times of prayer. I mean, I, to the point where uh, when I'd get home from school and this and that, my favorite thing to do was go to the bedroom and pray. I was enjoying it so much. You know, when you do it right, it's enjoyable. If, if you're not enjoying church, 
you ain't doing it right. If you're not enjoying reading your Bible and studying, you're not doing it right. If you're not enjoying prayer, you're not doing it right. A lot of times people time their prayer. Man, I was able to pray 30 minutes. <whistles> Glory. <laughs> I was able to pray an hour. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're talking with somebody that you really care about and you really enjoy their company, do you always start the clock? Huh? Isn't it so that if you're talking with somebody, especially, you know, somebody you love, somebody you're in love with, man, you know, you talk on the phone, you talk in person for two hours and look at the watch go, oh man, it's been two hours. We got to go home. We got to hang out. We got to do. Why? You're not enduring. You're enjoying. You've never met a more exciting, more interesting person than the Lord. And he really does. You've met some folks that think they know everything, but he really does. <laughs> know everything about every. You'll never meet anybody more interesting than him. And he's real. Now, if you're just praying to be religious, then you're, you know, you're not communing with him. But when you're communing with him, you're talking to him and he's talking to you and it's real. I'm telling you, it's, it's wonderful. And I was having some really good times in the Lord. And in a time of prayer, I had prayed about all night this time, particular time. And, and, and in his light, we see light. And I saw in his presence that I was not aware of how dependent on him I was. It was a revelation that I got while I was fellowshipping with him. And I prayed this, and I don't recommend that you pray this now. I'm not telling you to pray this. I did. I said, Lord, I want to know. I, don't, I was learning some of these things. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to think something is me that's you. I don't want to not understand and not give you thanks and not acknowledge what is you and what you're doing in me and through me. I want to see. I want to know. Show me. And I just, I prayed that out of my heart and went on. But I was not prepared for what happened. The very next day, and don't build a doctrine on this now, I'm just telling you an experience I had. The very next day, it seemed as if the grace of God for my ministry in life was just pulled off me. And I, I can't even express to you the feelings. But I saw some things. I mean... My eyes were open just like that instantly, realizing that a lot of what I thought was just natural ability that I had was the grace of God. Do you understand that some things we are graced with from birth? From birth. And one way you can tell a grace is something that other people find challenging, but you find relatively easy. 
And it's, if it's something that's been with you all your life, it's easy for you to think, well, that's just me. I can do that. One thing that I had always had was an ability to speak and get up in front of people. Always. I mean, in kindergarten, I took a top hat and a cane and did Bill Bailey for the whole bunch. <laughs> just not, in, not timid, not bashful, not shy. I could just, I could just always do it. I mean, and at a, uh, I know we, some kind of function we had, we were at a state meet and the guy that was supposed to run for this position, something happened to him and they didn't know what they were going to do. I said, I'll run. I just stepped up impromptu and gave a speech for them to vote for me. <laughs> and they all voted for me. And the state, I got it. <laughs> I just, you know, I just always had that. And in music, now I'm not, uh, I don't have any education in music, but I've always had an ability to hear things and to remember things musically. The Lord's given me hundreds and hundreds of songs, and I don't have, you know, I've I, I never written them out in, in music. Some of them other people have helped me with for recording and stuff, but I remember all of them. I remember all the chord changes. I remember, you know, I, I know them. And at the, that particular time, I was uh, teaching in healing school every day. I was singing, I was playing, teaching, and I had been doing it for years. And after a while, you know, you, I had learned uh, a lot of the faith scriptures and a lot of the healing scriptures. And there were numerous times I'd preach for an hour with no notes. Scriptures had just come to me. The Lord would bring them to my remembrance. Illustrations. And a lot of times I'd do music with no, uh, no list and no sheets. I would just, you know, remember and I'd, I'd know the words and I know the, the chords and everything else. But this day, I'm telling you, it seemed like God just lifted the grace that was in my life off of me. And as I tried to think that I was supposed to speak that morning in the healing school, I tried to think, well, okay. Which way were we going to go? Because I felt, man, I felt funny. I felt, I, and I wasn't expecting this at all. I didn't know that that's how he's going to answer my prayer. You know? <laughs> I, I, and I, I didn't know what I, it took me, I'm telling you, it took me a long while to figure out what had happened. But I went and sat in my office and I could not, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Now, I couldn't put one scripture with another. I couldn't. Put, I said, well, you know, I struggled with that for probably 30 minutes. And then I thought, well, okay, okay, you're going to sing first. So uh, what you going to sing? And I'm telling you, you may think I'm exaggerating. I could not think where to put my hands. I couldn't remember. And I couldn't think what came next. And I'm telling you, I felt like an empty bottle. And I was in such a state, I, I couldn't do anything. I had to get somebody to come take it for me. And I sat and looked out the window. <laughs> I'm not joking. I've sat and looked out. You know, Phyllis, I tell you, she, she got really concerned about it. She did because for three days and nights, I was like a zombie. And the devil came and said, you'll never preach again. And I felt like it. I felt like it. 
Oh, but thank God, at the end of that three days, that grace came back. That anointing came back. And you'll never have to tell me again (laughs) that it's the grace of God. I know it's the grace of God. When I can get up and I can speak and verses come to me and illustrations come to me and it flows, I know it ain't Keith. It's the grace. When I have confidence and I can stand up and I'm not afraid and I can speak boldly and freely, I know. Because I've seen the difference. It's not Keith. I know. When I can sing and actually hit a note, and remember what chord comes next? And remember the verses and the words? I know. It's not Keith. It's him. It's his grace in my life. Some graces I was born with. Some graces were added to me when I got saved and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Some graces he adds to you further down in life as he, he adds things to your call and ministry. And it's so with you. I said, it is so with you. Grace is given to every man. Every person in the body of Christ has a gift or gifts. And grace or graces in them, some of them you're born with. In fact, you'll see this in the world, that there are people that are born with graces that they were supposed to use in the kingdom. And yet they decided not to follow God and they're exploiting them for their personal gain, to become famous, to become successful, whatever. You can see it. It's an ability God put in them not to serve themselves, not to serve the devil, but for the kingdom. You have abilities. Amen? As I was talking, you might have thought of some that just has come natural for you. Since you were, you know, maybe you can do something with your hands. Maybe you're good at numbers. There's, there's all kind of things, little things here and there. Do not be deceived into thinking you're just smart. And you're just good. Hey, baby, I can do it. It's, you know, I'm the man. No. You're deceived. You think it's you. And it's the grace. It's the grace of God. Do you believe it? Yes. Not, 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 don't go and pray like I did. Unless the Lord tells you to. I'm telling you. Try, learn from my experience. Don't, I, I wouldn't go through that again for large sums of money. But my prayer was answered. I know the difference now. I know the difference. I know what's him. And how much is me? How much can I do of myself? Huh? What about you? How much can you do of yourself? How much do you know? Hmm. All right. I want to take some time here before we complete this morning to go over a few things about how God sees pride. We're laying a foundation for some things. I don't know tomorrow or the next day or whatever, we're going to really get into some nitty gritty things. You may have to squirm on your seat a little bit, but you'll be happy when it's all over.
But don't try to turn to these, but all of these scriptures, except for there's, there's a few that I'll tell you at the end that are not, but all of these are from Proverbs. So you just write numbers and you know all of these are from Proverbs. How does God see pride? How does he see it? Because we need to see it like he does and think about it like he does. Proverbs six sixteen says, these six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the first one that's mentioned is a proud look. The scripture says, six, what did I say, six, 16 and 17 of Proverbs. God hates, it is an abomination to him, a proud look. Is it that way to you? Do you hate a proud look? You see, in our country, in our generation, pride is heralded. No matter your state of life, folks say, well, we're poor, but we're proud. God will deliver you from both. (laughs) As so much is talked about, well, you know, a man's got to have his pride. They can't take that away from me. My pride, my self-respect, my dignity. No, our, our esteem, our identity is not in ourselves. It's in Him. Amen? You want to know who you are? Look at Him. You want to know what you are? Look at Him. What you have? Look at Him. What you can do? It's all in Him. What did Paul say? I was crucified with Christ. Amen. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. We, we are to have the mentality that it is not us. God hates a proud look. 8.13, Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth Do I hate, the Lord says. That's a strong word. The Lord says, I hate pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the froward mouth. Proverbs 16.5. 16.5 says, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Did you hear that phrase? Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 21.4 says, A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. A high look, a haughty look, a proud heart, the Bible said, is sin. That's 21.4. Let's go over this again. How does God see pride? Is it just kind of minor trivial thing that he wished you'd work on a little bit? I'm telling you, he hates it. We've already talked about it. It's the nature of his enemy. 
It is the very opposite of the nature of the master. What's the master's nature? Come learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. God hates haughtiness. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. He calls it sin. Now take a minute. Let's talk about this. All all these are in Proverbs as well. The effects of pride. When you get in pride, you operate in pride, what's going to happen? The effects of it. 11.2 of Proverbs. 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. 1525. 1525 says, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. That's a strong word. 1618. 1618 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What's going to happen? After pride, destruction. After a haughty spirit, what's going to happen? A fall. In Proverbs 29, 23, 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So what will pride do to you if you operate in it? It will cause you shame. It will cause your house to be destroyed. It will bring you low. Is that true? Jesus taught this. I mean, virtually any gospel account, any of the four, you see, he talks about if you exalt yourself, what's going to happen? Lift up yourself, you're going to be abased and brought down. But what if you humble yourself? You will be exalted. He taught this not once, but I mean on numerous occasions. One of the effects of pride is a numbing of the mind and a darkening of the understanding. If you want to get revelation, you must deal with pride and grow in humility. In Daniel 5.20. Daniel 5.20, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, it says, When his heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride. People talk about hardening of the arteries. What about hardening of the mind? And you know, it, it is so, the prouder you are, the dumber you are, and don't even know it. You watch the people that are the most arrogant about the word are the people that are the most ignorant of the word. Oh, it's every time. I, the, the less you stay in the word, the more you think you know. It's right. But the more in the word you are, you're constantly reminded of things you don't know. And you don't understand. And you haven't arrived at And that helps you 
Stay in reality. It's a reality check. Every other verse you go, whoa. I ain't got all that yet. Here's a verse. Here's a, whoo. Ain't got that either yet. But I'm telling you, I have had conversations with some folks. Some, they are so haughty. And yet it's pitiful. They can't find a verse. And they think they know so much. I had a woman arguing with me one time about something. I really wasn't responding with her that much. But I said, well, no, it's not that way. She said, well, the song says. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. I, I said, the song? She said, yeah, you know the song? She started singing it for me. <laughs> the song says. That's not the same as Jesus said, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit there. In James 4, you're still holding your place there? So you thought I forgot that. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just about through this morning. I'm not going to go too long. But we're going to lay a good foundation here. And we can really go from here to some things tomorrow. In James 4, verse 6, says, He gives more grace. Are you interested in grace? Yes. Do you acknowledge that every good thing that has been wrought through you has been by the grace of God? Do you acknowledge that? I feel impressed to call on you this morning to out of your mouth give, give a response on that. Do you acknowledge that everything that has been done in your life and ministry that is good and that is fruitful, that it has been by the grace of God? Do you acknowledge that? Hallelujah. 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 That's not trying to be humble. That is reality. And therefore, true humility. True humility. Now he goes on to say, he gives more grace. Could you take some more? That means more fruit. Amen. More revelation, more anointing, more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, connected with humble. Resist the devil. See, God resists the proud. Is the devil the proud? We resist him. And so does God. But if we are in pride, will God resist us? That's pretty weak. It's, by, it's New Testament. It's James right there. He didn't say God resists the proud except for his proud kids. And his kids that he really, really loves. And, you know, they're they having some problems with some pride, but he loves them, so he's not going. No, no, no. God does what with the proud? Resists. In fact, Psalm 138.6, you don't have to turn there, but Psalm 138.6 says, Though the Lord be high, Yet has he respect to the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. I think in the spirit, 
Pride stinks. Don't make a doctrine out of that. (laughs) But what does God do with the proud? He resists them and he knows them afar off. Even even his kids, they're his kids, but uh, it's at a distance. He loves them, but pride is like a barrier. It's like a wall. They that worship God must worship Him how? In spirit and how? In truth. Which is another way of saying humbly. The least bit of falseness and pretension and put on and pride is like a wall. I'm telling you, God hates it. You start trying to blow smoke with Him and you lost Him. Because he sees right through you. You can't get two words into it. And it's, it's over. It's like Jesus talked about the, the Pharisee and the publican praying in the temple. You remember that? And he said the, uh, the publican stood up and prayed thus with himself. <laughs> oh, Father... I thank thee that I am not like other men. I pray, I fast, I tithe even of my spices. Thank you that I'm not like other men, not like this publican. You know what the Lord said about his prayer? What did he say? He's just praying with himself. wonder if anybody else ever prayed with their self. <laughs> what good is that? But the publican, what did he do? He smote his chest. Wouldn't even lift up his head and his eyes and God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, I tell you, that man went down to his house justified rather than the other who's just praying. With his self. We live in a world of falseness. And it's amazing how much falseness there is. In uh, Christendom. It's amazing how much falseness. People trying to project that they're more spiritual than, the, than they are. And that they know more than they do. And all this. I was in a meeting some years ago. And there were many, many ministers there. And I was just standing, looking around, recognizing people here and there, and just so glad that I was there. And the Lord spoke to me. I wasn't expecting it. He said, son, there are things, there's, there's something in meetings like this that hinders me. I thought, hinders you? What, Lord? He said, it's people trying to be spiritual. And I knew instantly what he's talking about. The most spiritual people I know, truly spiritual, are some of the most natural acting people that you ever want to meet. In fact, baby Christians and those that are confused sometimes may think they're more carnal than they are. Because they don't go around all the time with their eyes rolled back half in their head, you know, (laughs) like they're in a trance. 
talking in tongues and real loud and got a word for everybody. And see, babies don't know what real spirituality and spiritual maturity is. But I want you to know one thing. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And you cannot have any falseness. And so we're still talking about pride. And operate with him. It'll be a wall. The proud, he knows what? Afar off. The proud, he resists. You don't want God resisting you. You don't want him holding you at arm's length like you stink. You don't want him to look at your haughty expression and it reminds him of the devil. He loves you, but he hates that. I'll never forget one of the first meetings Brother Hagin took Phyllis and I on. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't been in the ministry long at all. I didn't have a box full of sermons. I'm just getting, getting going good. And he calls and wants us to be at the meeting, wants me to take the services. You understand, these people drive from all around, fly from all around to see Brother Hagin. And I'm going to be there. <laughs> They're going to look up and lo and behold. <laughs> it's not him. But... I, I was there with him one of the nights, first off, that he was speaking, and I'm riding, uh, he wanted to ride in the back seat, so I'm riding in the front, he's right behind me, and the driver, and I don't know who was it, was it you, Phyllis, or I forget who it was on the other side, and uh, man, the anointing was in that place, whew, the glory of God was in that place, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I am blessed, here I am, riding with the man of God, I'm here in the midst of the glory, and uh, I'm just happy. I'm just feeling so privileged and so blessed, and I'm thinking about that a little bit. He reached up and grabbed the seat, and he went, whoo, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's quiet. It's just still in the car, and he grabbed the seat and did that and yelled. I mean, I about come off my seat. And he said, boy, do you feel that? I thought, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I, d- I didn't feel a thing, man. Oh, man, oh, man. He's going to get me right now. He's going to know just how carnal and unspiritual I am. I said, uh, no, sir. He said, me neither. Now, I thought many a time, what if I'd have said, whoo, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, man, yeah, glory. (laughs) Out of pride, hmm, what is humility? Reality. If you didn't feel it, didn't feel it. If you ain't got it. You ain't got it. But I tell you, the folk that will admit they don't have it are open to really get it. 
the real thing. But when you substitute some put on, it is now in the way of and taking the place of the real. That's why we want to grow in our ministries, in our services, and not have a bunch of flesh stuff and not have a bunch of put on stuff. Amen, but admit, if we ain't got it, we ain't got it. If this is not it, this is not it. You learn as you follow the Spirit. I mean, I have, you know, on a satellite that was going all over the world. I've been up playing a song before, and I'm into the first verse, and I realize, this ain't it. This is not the way I should be going. What do you do? Well, pride would go ahead and sing it and sing all four verses. But humility says, sorry, this ain't it. I'm going to back up here and go another way. And that's what I did. And it was right. I got into it that time. Are you with me? See what I'm talking about? The spirit of God is the spirit of truth, is the spirit of reality. The spirit of Jesus is meek, lowly. Humble, for this is reality. It is true that it's the grace of God. It is true that without, without His help, we can't find the door. It is true. It's not trying to be humble. It's true. It's true. I don't want you to experience it, but I'm telling you, it's an eye-opener, man. I mean, if He pulled His grace off of you, you stand in front of the mirror and wonder how to comb your hair. I'm telling you, you just, you just look down and go... <laughs> Duh, somebody lead me to the table, you know. It's, it's pitiful. It's pitiful. And people think, oh, I'm so smart, I'm so this. It's the grace. It's the grace. It's, say it out loud, it's the grace. Stand up with me, why don't you? Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Master. Praise you, Master. Praise you, Master. Hallelujah, Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the credit. We give you all the glory. Hallelujah. We give you all the honor. Hallelujah. It is due to you. You are worthy. And you alone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.